I'm Jared, um, as you well know now, and I'm a bit of a storyteller. And I run Fantail Studios. Um, and Fantail Studios, the easiest way to explain what this ministry is, is that we are a team of media missionaries. Um, and God's had me on a really fun journey. I've always loved film and television. I used to work full-time making secular documentaries. Did that for a few years until one day um, I was talking with Jesus and he said, I want you to become a pastor. And I broke down, bawled my eyes out and just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because the encounter was so strong. And I was newly married at the time. We married for about six months. My wife came home. I'm in a fetal position on the ground, sobbing and bawling my eyes out under the presence of the Holy Spirit. And she said, what is going on? And I said, oh, God's called me to be a pastor. And she just had this look of, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> she said, but I married a film producer. I didn't sign on to be a pastor's wife. And I said, honey, how could I stand before God one day and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. If the moment he called me, I refused to answer. And, and that, sort of, that sort of thinking around the fact that God calls us into great adventures with him. And it is our honour and privilege if we can step over the fear line to go on a great adventure has been kind of like this thing of God around my life that I enjoy the most. And I, I, it's a little bit of a love-hate relationship because I'm a little bit of a control freak. I'm half Dutch, and I'm half Scottish, and I want to know where the money is um, before we do things. And Jesus will always talk to me and say, Jared, you know, you are at your best and who I made you to be when you don't need to know. When I say, hey, we're going, and you say, okay, rather than we're. You know, Jared, that is when, as my son, you are just at your best when you are trusting me and going with the flow with my spirit rather than trying to take a hold of all of my responsibilities and make them yours. And so I, I became a pastor and I did that for about 10 years. Kids ministry, youth ministry, regional ministry, assistant pastor, you know, just the classic Western church ladder, you know. And I was like, oh, I'm going to become a senior pastor and then I'll be successful as a son of God. You know, that was, that was a lot of my thinking. But at the same time, I had this big heart desire going, God, I want to make films and TV shows about you. Like my whole life, all I've wanted to do is use media to give you glory, to capture your wonder and put it on display for the world to see how amazing you are. And this, this kind of desire in me was like this itch that I was just so desperate to scratch. And I remember going into a season about eight years into pastoring where I was going, God, if you would just let me make one TV show about you, just let me take two or three months off pastoring to make one show about you, one documentary, one film, just something, then I'll, I'll settle for the next season. But I just, I, I, like, I need to come up for air. And I remember praying this for a while. And then one night I had this amazing dream. And I found myself on a wooden bridge over a river and I looked off down this winding pathway and there was a man walking towards me and he was wearing a three-piece suit holding a briefcase. And in my dream, this guy that looked like the most expensive lawyer that money could buy, I knew that this was Father God coming to see me. And my heart was pounding in my chest. My knees were going a bit weak and I'm going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, God's getting closer, he's getting closer, he's getting closer. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And he met me on the bridge and he looked at me and he said, Jared, 
I don't want you to make a TV show about me. I need you to make hundreds of them. So build a team together, launch a channel and get started. Hey, and I woke up from the dream classic, like, like in a movie when the people wake up, bolt upright in bed, a little bit of a cold sweat, hyperventilating. I've always seen that. And I was like, man, no one does that. I woke up, I was like, <gasps> and uh, I remember I, was, I looked at the clock, it was 11 at night. And I thought, I've only been asleep for about 45 minutes. Um, there's no way I'm getting back to sleep tonight. I lay in bed, totally wired uh, all night with the sensation and the only way I could kind of articulate it at the time was that it was like I had won an internship at the greatest company on the planet. Millions of people had applied to be an intern and I had never even put an application in, but Jesus did for me. That he put the application in for me, then he chose me and he called me and he came to tell me about it himself. And I remember this sense of going like, the creator of the universe sees me. Like he, he knows the innermost desires of my heart and he has seen me and he has called me and I feel so chosen, so set apart and so excited. We'll start this tomorrow. Um, the next 18 months were horrendous. <laughs> and I went through, you know, that pruning time as God began to uh, readjust my character and bring a whole lot of my insecurities into the light so He could bring healing into my life. And uh, then two years ago, we actually got to launch the ministry. If we could jump to the next slide. Um, and God began to bring some media missionaries uh, around me, people that were doing great things and, all of that stuff, but had in their heart, God, I want to do something more for you. I want to use the creative gifts and skills that I've got to do more than what I'm currently doing in the industry, doing secular shows or anything like that. And God began to introduce me to these people. It's one of them through a prophetic dream, um, a couple other people through different scenarios. And I would just give this classic sales pitch, which was, hey, I've got an idea. What if... You quit your job, believed God for provision, and came and had, had an adventure. Uh, but you really got to hear from Holy Spirit on this, and you and your family really need to be in agreement, because the only thing I can actually guarantee in this journey is going to be the adventure part. <laughs> the finances and, the, and all of those other things, that's going to be between you and Jesus. But we're set up as a charity. Um, people can sow into the ministry and all of those things, and God can provide supernaturally. But all I know is at this time, God's called me to make shows about Him and then to give them away. And if you want to be a part of the worst business model on the planet, um, feel free to come join. And before you tell me that this is the worst business model on the planet, believe me, I have had this conversation with God many times and I have lost every debate um, in His upside down economy. And so God began to bring this team and we began to capture, at the start, just very short stories. And now it's a lot of fun. Like, we're playing on TV in about 20 different countries around the world and making half-hour shows and mini-series and short testimonies. And 
We're about to launch into a TV series on deliverance, demystifying the supernatural. We've launched a documentary series into what God's doing in the world of sex trafficking. We're launching an online supernatural film school, teaching people how to be led by the Holy Spirit. What does it look like to hear the voice of the ultimate creator and create with him as well as for him? And all of these things. But I'm just gonna share a few stories today around one of our projects, which is a feature film called Mana Atua which basically means in in Māori is the greatness of God. And this film has come about through a very humble beginnings where we made a testimony video. And we didn't have any equipment at the time. This was right when we started. So we borrowed all the cameras from different friends and things like that. We interviewed a man called Lucky Tokoha for about 45 minutes I spent six hours later that week editing that video down to a six-minute video, and we put it on Facebook. And there's a lot of cool videos I could show today that have got really high production value, but what I want to show you is this story, which is the most no-frills video we've ever produced, uh, because I love, you know, there's a saying that we have, you know, within film and television, that story is king. It doesn't matter how great the bells and whistles are. If you don't have the story, you don't have anything. And I love that Jesus is the master storyteller. And when you capture a moment of God's story and the anointing and the presence around it, it doesn't matter how simply or humbly you've captured that. The power of God's glory is in that and it's got the power to change lives. And I love in Revelation, it says that we overcome by the word Sorry, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so I love capturing people's testimonies. I think we've captured over 80 testimonies over the last couple of years and played them all around the world. But I want to show you this one. And then I want to talk about how this has snowballed into a feature film and a miniseries and how we are seeing God radically change lives within the Black Power community and the Mungra mob. Um, But let's just play this video and that'll be great. radical. People talk about radical encounters. I thought I was having a heart attack. It made me feel my heart for the first time in my life. I was 49 years old. My father was a violent man. Um, my mother was a Christian. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Once or Warriors. Well, that looked like a pretty good family to me. So my life was foster homes, boys' homes, youth prison, prison, rehabs for heroin and alcohol. It was an ongoing cycle, just going round and round. Um, I was on a treadmill that I never thought I'd get off. I had mental health issues, so I I was ADHD, OCD, Asperger's, dyslexia. There's one other, but I I need my wife here to tell me that one because I always forget one. (laughs) I'd moved to Kaikoura after the Christchurch earthquake six years later, and all I wanted to do was go there, go fishing and hunting, and be left alone. And um, I was trying to walk away from the gang I was with. Um, which had been my whole life. A long story short, I had a hate for police, a full hate for police, and I got invited to this church by a guy that I knew in Kaikoura. And because I couldn't come up with a like as part of my Asperger's condition, as I'm brutally honest, and I have no filter, and I just said to him, yes, I'll come. And I hated it. I couldn't stand the music. That's one thing that stood out to me was the Christian music. It was really horrible, eh? Um, Everybody was really happy, and you know that wasn't what I was used to. You know, there was no drugs and there was no alcohol. But they seemed really happy and I'd seen that. Uh, it was just a different world. 
I couldn't get out of there quick enough. I left on the last song. The following week, I, I seen that same pastor again and he invited me back. And I still didn't come up with a lion. And I just happened to say, yeah, okay, I'll see, I'll see you there. But on the Saturday, I got pulled over by the police. I was arrested for my history and what had been going on in my life. I later found out that they had a poster the size of my chest up of me in their police station in Kaikoura as a person of interest. They have a lot of assault charges on police and a lot of assault charges. But this guy, this cop came along to me and he treated me like how we should treat people. He was respectful, he was fair, um, showed his heart too actually when I look back at it now. I went home after they released me and I started festering with real anger again. It wasn't about that cop, it was the fact of just the authority of coming against me. And I had a lot of issues over the years with the police. Um, not all of it my fault, but definitely not all of it their fault either. But I said to my wife that night, I will never let go of that hate that I have for them. We walk into the church, and I'm sitting at the back of the church and waiting for the music was just started. And that cop that pulled me over walked in. And he walked in with his four kids and his wife. And he seen me standing at the back of the church and I seen him. And I grabbed my wife, we stand up, I grabbed her by the hand and I said, that's that cop that got me yesterday. And I felt something that, that right there and then. And she said, don't go over and fight in the church. I, I fought everywhere. I stabbed somebody in front of a prison guard because I just had to get him because I didn't have any rules. I felt something. When he walked in, he just sat down and had his head down. And I grabbed my wife's hand and I said, something's wrong. Well, I, I, I don't know if I'm having a stroke or, or, or maybe a heart attack, but something's wrong with my chest. I've got a pain in my chest. I kept looking at that cop and I, and I said to my wife, I just need to go over and talk to him. When the church finished, I walked straight over, tapped him on the shoulders and said to him, hey bro, I'm sorry. He turned around, he was crying. He goes, I'm sorry that um, I came and did that to you. I'm really sorry. And um, he said to me, do you mind if we pray for you? I says, um, yeah. I don't know what pray for me was. He goes, come up to the front and I'll get some guys to pray with you. He went and got three other guys. <laughs> they were all cops. All of them were cops. And they all put their hands on me and started praying for me. And I felt something that I knew what was happening was God gave me the first time I'd ever felt empathy for somebody. That was the very first time. I'd never felt that before. I'd only ever had hate, rage and anger in me. Even when my mother died and my, my daughters died, I only got angrier. Look, I never felt loss or sadness or anything. It was just hate, rage, and anger. And this day I felt empathy because I felt for him. And I realized that where I was standing, underneath that roof, him and I were brothers because I was in God's house. Changed my whole life just like that. And um, I know now it was God softening my heart. That day my whole life changed. Like, um, I was finally free. I finally come home. I finally belong somewhere. I didn't just belong in gangs and prison or rehabs or on the streets doing my rubbish. I finally belong somewhere.
where there was actually love. My hate for the police went that day. Completely gone. I never thought I'd, it would happen. I'd only said that to my wife the day before, and a lot of people think oh, I lost my marbles that day because it just changed so much, eh, bro? You know, going from, you know, a man of crime to a man for Christ, and, yeah, I just look at it now and it's just um, off the rails. Yeah. Wow. How awesome is Jesus? I, I, I look at, whenever time I look at that story, I think, I mean, only Jesus could take somebody who says, I'm going to be at war with the police for the rest of my life and have four policemen gather around him in the presence of God and lead him into healing and freedom. You know, and so when, when we had that video, I said, Lucky, I'm going to put this on Facebook. And we were just starting the ministry. And I said, no one really knows who we are. And no one knows who I am. And, and people are going to watch this and they're going to have a heart connection with you, not with me, because I'm just the man behind the cam- camera. Um, can I put your cell phone number with the video? And that way, if people were struggling in life or in the gang world or prison and things like that, see it, they can connect with you directly. And he said, yeah, bro, that's fine. And in the first week, he got over 100 phone calls and messages from people wanting help and wanting prayer. And he spoke with each one of them and prayed for them and connected them with people around the place. And then the video um, started playing um, around the country and ended up playing to the New Zealand police commissioner who then invited Lucky to come speak at a police Christian conference to share his story with all the Christian police from around the nation of how God had moved through them to change his life. And then the video started playing in gang headquarters around the country. And uh, Lucky was already starting to work with some of these gangs because they'd heard about how God had changed his life. And Lucky was one of the most infamous um, and violent gang men in New Zealand. And they began to see this story and playing it through their headquarters going, man, if God could change your life and you're one of the worst of the worst, maybe he could help us. And so I asked Lucky as he began to minister with the gang, he said, Lucky, I'd love to come and, and just capture what God's doing. I don't know exactly where this is going, but I'd love to film it. And he said, really, you, you want to come to a, a, a Black Power meeting where I sit down with Black Power leaders and get them for the very first time to open up about the darkest traumas they've ever experienced. And they'll be sharing it out loud for the first time. And you expect me to be able to do that with a camera in the room? And I said, well, I mean, when you put it like that, he was like, bro, get stuffed. There's no way. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I just asked because I felt like Holy Spirit put it on my heart. And he goes, oh, you should have led with that. Sure, you can come. (laughs) And uh, I'm actually, I'm from Rangiora, which is the uh, whitest town in all of New Zealand. It's 97.7% white. And I said, well, when we come, where's the meeting? He said, it's at a a marae. And I said, okay, where will I stay? He said, oh, you'll sleep in the marae. I said, okay, where will the Black Power Gang stay? He said, they will stay in the marae. And I said, well, how many marae's are there? (laughs) You can see where this is going. Anyway, I end up coming and staying with this, with this black power gang. And, and as they began to share their heartaches and their traumas, God began to overcome my fear with His compassion and empathy. And I began to see people that I'd seen through a stereotype. And I was beginning to now see them through the eyes of Christ, their heartbeat of compassion. And my heart began to move towards people and, and began to have this heart connection that began to create an invitation 
for us to go deeper into their journeys. And then he did the same thing with the Mungra Mob Kingdom in Hamilton. And God began to open up supernaturally accelerated friendships with these people that I would go and hang out in their families, have meals with them, get to know their kids and begin to capture their stories. And so we started filming this movie, not knowing that it was gonna be a movie at the time. We just were capturing it as God was doing things. We'd fly up and trust God for the finances, spend a bunch of money that we didn't really have. And then someone would put a donation into our account that was just what we needed. And we've just been going on this process for two years now. And we have filmed 80% of this movie. Um, and we're just starting to edit the main parts of it now and probably come February, we'll have finished filming the rest of it. And I just wanna tell you a couple stories of what we've seen God do. So let's just jump through to a couple more slides. Um, so there's some of the Black Power guys that we've been following. And I wanna jump through to the next slide. This guy is Brother H. And uh, really quickly, when I met him, he's the leader of the motos- Black Power Motorcycle Gangsters in Whakatane for Black Power. And I interviewed him a little over two years ago now. And I said, hey, you've brought Lucky into your, to your gang to share his journey for three days and to be praying with you. So the fact that you've opened your space up to him kind of makes me feel like that there's something inside of you that is seeking the reality of who God is. So I wanna ask you, who is Jesus to you? Like when I say Jesus, where does your mind go? And he sat there for a moment thoughtfully and then he gave me one of the most profound answers. I think I'll remember it forever. And he said, said, the only way I can answer that really with where I am at the moment is that my wife was a meth addict and she'd been a meth addict for years and nothing I could do could help her. One day she had an encounter with God in her room where God spoke to her, told her to go to rehab and he was gonna look after her. She went to rehab and she came back healed. And now I'm forced to wonder, who is this Jesus? Who is this man that could do something for my wife that I could never do? And he had this great line, he said, and I can't escape the question. Who is this man? About 18 months later, you know, we have back multiple visits, but 18 months after that interview, I'm sitting with him at another marae and his gang, and he's sitting there going, talking to his gang members saying, guys, I gotta tell you, everything we've ever heard about Jesus is true. He says, I'm reading my Bible. I'm a Christian now. I talk to Jesus every day and you can all look at my life and see how much I have been transformed. He's real. Everything we've ever heard about Jesus is true. I want to jump to an, another story because I, you know, I could tell stories all day long what we've seen Jesus do. If we could jump to the next slide, I want to introduce you to this guy. This guy's called Jesse Church. And I, I love Jesse Church because he hated Christians and he's got a name like a superhero, Jesse Church. Mr. Church that hated Christians. And uh, I did this interview with him in the Iron Dog in Hamilton, which was the Mungra Mob Kingdom headquarters. They got about 300 patch members. And uh, I'd been building a bit of a connection with him. And he said, you know, bro, I'm a Christian. I said, are Jesse? You must have a pretty interesting story, patch Mungra Mob member who's a new Christian. And uh, when we came back for another visit, we captured his story. And he said, well, this is my story. He says, I'm a cage fighter. And I hated Christians 
And every now and then I'd be in the ring and there'd be a Christian that I was versing and I would make special effort to destroy them. Um, and I would always pray to my different Māori gods to give me strength to destroy the Christians because I hated them so much. And I had a fight one day coming up with a guy called the preacher. And I thought, oh man, another Christian. He says, I get into the ring and this guy's gonna be like everybody else. And I see him over in his corner praying to Jesus. And so I am now praying to my gods and the fight starts like all of them. I'm just taking the guy to town. I'm pulling him apart. But then something happened. The momentum shifted. I ended up on the back foot. And for the first time in my career, I'm knocked unconscious. And when I say knocked out, I mean, I am out cold. He said it took about 15 minutes for me to regain full consciousness, like obliterated. And he said, when I came to and I came back to my right mind, he said, the only thing that I knew was that while I was unconscious, I had met God and He was real. And I had no memory of what transpired. I just had a knowing God was real and I'd had a meeting with Him. But I had no memory of what had happened. So over the next course of the year, my father, who had been a really violent man and a big source of my trauma, had gotten saved and become transformed and He led me to Jesus. I ended up finding myself in church and I took communion. So the moment I took communion, a year later, my memory was instantly restored of what had happened when I was unconscious. And he said, I remember standing outside of my body, looking down at my body, unconscious of, on the ring. And Jesus came and he stood over my body. And he had big holes in his hands. As he stood over my body, he said, blood poured out of the holes in his hands. And he covered my body in his blood. And then he looks at me incredibly Kiwi, understated way and goes, yeah, so I'm a Christian now. <laughs> he goes, since then I've been spontaneously filled with the Holy Spirit and started speaking in lungs. I was in worship, all of a sudden started speaking in a language I didn't know. He said, I responded to an altar call a wee while ago and I got set free from an evil spirit. I'm no longer suicidal and I don't struggle with depression anymore. I've been totally redeemed. I go, Wow. Jesse, I've got to ask you, because when anyone's watching this film, the question that is on everybody's mind is, if Jesus has done this for you, can you help me understand why are you still a patched mongrel mob member? There seems like a disconnect here for me. Help me understand. He said this great, these guys got, all the time I'm like, man, these guys got awesome one-liners. They're the editor's dream, I tell you. Or a t-shirt making company. (laughs) One or the other. And he said this, he said, I can tell it to you like this. This gang took me in when I was in my darkest. Now that I've found the light, should I abandon them? If I cannot be Jesus to my brothers, who can be? And it's been this phenomenal journey of coming into an environment and seeing the radical nature of Jesus manifesting himself coming home and spending weeks sitting off at night reflecting on what I'd seen 
And then in my own religiosity, wondering why it is that God is pouring himself out on these people who have done nothing to deserve it. And I've sweated blood, sweat and tears trying to go from breakthrough to breakthrough and seeing God doing all of these things has been the most confronting experience of my life. And I've traveled all over the world. I filmed all over the place. I grew up in Papua New Guinea. That first night with the Black Power Gang was the first time in my life I experienced true culture shock. I remember one night coming home and reading my Bible after one of these trips and for the first time ever relating more with the Pharisees than I did with the disciples and going, wow, I'm so confronted by my own sense of self-righteousness. And being on this journey, I've been incredibly challenged in my own faith, but incredibly filled with awe and wonder at how radical the heartbeat of Christ is for his sons and daughters and nothing will stand in the way of his love. There there is no depth of pain that he is not prepared to reach into and to muddy his own, own arm to see somebody totally set free. And I love that you can have someone like Lucky who says, I'm gonna be at war with the police for the rest of my life and God would go, in 24 hours, those same men are gonna lead you into my righteousness. To have a man who say, I hate Christians and I will beat them to a pulp. We go, you know what? I have a guy who's going to knock you out stone cold and then I'm going to come meet you while you're unconscious. <laughs> you want to wrestle me? You're about to collide with my love and it will knock you out. My love is violently for you. And I will do whatever it takes to redeem you and bring you into my embrace. And uh, I just, I wanted to share these stories with you um, to make you a little bit aware about what we're doing and all of these things as a ministry, but much more than that, so that your, your expectation of how limitless God is will begin to expand within you. I had this great realisation a year ago after an amazing encounter with God. We said, Jared, I am not limited by your limitations. Stop thinking that your brokenness and your insecurities and your fear will somehow dampen the ability of my spirit to move through you. Like I will do whatever it is that I want to do. You just need to say, God, I'm coming rather than where are we going and how? Like would you just be a part of the great adventure of what Jesus is doing? And it's amazing as we if we give God our little, I had this story of the fish and the loaves this morning. I love this. In, in all of creation, God spoke everything into being. Let there be light, let there be mountains, let there be fish, let there be, you know, whatever. But when it came to mankind, He never spoke Adam into being. He picked up a bit of dirt and then carefully shaped and molded it and breathed into it. And I always look at that now and I think that when it comes to us, God wants us to give Him something to work with. You know, and I often feel like God says to me, Jared, if you would just give me your dirt, I'll breathe my life into it and I'll do something phenomenal. Give me something to multiply. Give me something to bless. Give me a little step where you go to the first time into an environment you feel uncomfortable in and trust that I will be with you. And so my real heart this morning is as I speak that your spirit would expand inside you, that your your imagination would begin to click open a little bit going, God, what is the dirt that I've got that I could give to you that you would breathe on? 
Who is it in my world at the moment you're calling my eyes to see that I would love and see your heart touch them because no matter how much I wanna see someone experience your love, it compares nothing to the earnest passion that you have to encounter them. Anyway, <laughs> I'll try and just like reel myself in a little bit because I know we need to, to wrap up in a moment. But as you go away today, we just think a little bit. Take some time and just sit with Holy Spirit and say, God, would you challenge my imagination fresh? God, I've had limitations. I want to speak truth over them that you are not limited by my limitations. And God, I even maybe want to repent for where I have thought that you wouldn't move in certain areas and I've placed you in a box. God, is there anything, this is a powerful question that I take to God from time to time. And if you would do anything today, and if you're taking notes, would you write this down? Would you go to Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, is there anything that I'm doing at the moment that you'd love me to stop? Is there anything I'm not doing or believing that you'd love me to start? God, is there any lies in my life that you want to bring into the light that I could be set free from them? And is there any truth that you want to begin to reveal to my innermost being that it would become a foundation that I could build your kingdom on? And just begin to have that back and forth. I just want to do really quickly, just two last things. We could go to the next slide. Um, I mentioned that we're on, on tally in like 20 different countries and on social media, we reach about 50,000 people a week. But oddly... This is just like a little bit of a real practical thing I just love your help with. Our YouTube channel, YouTube has not grown us the way we'd like to be grown. And the more people that subscribe to our channel, the more the algorithm takes all these videos that we're making and sends them out to people that they would have their own experience, like people that have watched Lucky's video and have gone on their own God journey. I just love it right now when you're in the room. If you take your cell phone out, jump on YouTube, shameless, right? And... Uh, and go on Fantail Studios and just subscribe. Because as you subscribe, it actually helps us to catapult these testimonies. We're releasing a video uh, once or twice a week. Helps to take these stories and bring them in front of more and more people that they would have in their living rooms, at their home, that they would have the, the radical stories of testimonies wrap around them that they would experience the love of God right where they are. Because I don't know about you, but I have noticed that people don't spontaneously just walk into church anymore the same way they maybe did 30 or 40 years ago. But if they have a catalyst moment in the privacy of their own home or on the school bus or at work because they see something that carried the sound of Jesus' love, it could become that snowflake that begins to build its own momentum that will lead them into a collision with relentless grace. And then, then lastly, I've been traveling New Zealand at the moment because... I'm uh, on a tour, just sowing vision, but also inviting people to partner with us. We just jump to the next slide because we've got this film and a couple others we're wanting to release next year. And, and we know that God's got us totally covered, but I love to invite people to be a part of that journey with us because you might have some loaves or fishes that you want to see God multiply. And so for all the films that we're looking to release next year, we're believing for $300,000. Um, and I won't camp on this for very long at all because it sounds like a lot, but that could be 600 people giving $10 a week um, or you know, 300 people giving $20 a week or it could be one person going, I'm gonna give you uh, into this ministry, Jesus, $50,000 and one off. Who knows? Uh, it's Jesus' problem. But I wanted to make you aware of that if you wanted to partner with us, 
you can. My deal with Jesus is that I want to travel the country bragging about him. And if he's got people that he's set aside to partner with us, then he can talk to their hearts. And so I just want you to make you aware that if Holy Spirit would like to speak to you and you'd like to listen, um, then we'd love to have a conversation with you. And you could come see me after the service. And there's actually a wee sign-up station at the back that you can connect with Mark on as well. And you can even, if you just go, man, I don't want to, at the moment, I don't feel called to partner with finances, but I really want to sow in with prayer and everything like that. Then you could sign up on our email list for our emails and, and then just be, be standing with us in prayer that we would keep being in the right place at the right moment. Because this has been one radical Holy Spirit adventure Right at the start when we went in with the gangs, we said, Jesus, we don't have the resources to follow everybody here. But if you could give words of knowledge to the people that you want us to follow that are in the palm of your hand right now that you are doing something with, the ones that you are calling us to do, um, then would you please make that clear to us? And we believe that God really honoured that. And each person that he highlighted to us, we've seen God doing amazing things as we picked like six people two years ago. And went, right, we're going to go all in trusting you, Jesus, that we've heard correctly. These are the people you want us to follow. Um, and so God has just been so gracious to us. And I just want to say thank you so much for having me this morning and just invite you into that journey. Jesus has got a great adventure for you. And, and the answer from our heart has to be, Jesus, wherever you go, I want to be right with you. I don't need direction of where we're going to end up. I just need to know that you're, you're with me. You're the, you're the travel guide, not me. I get to be on the journey with you by your grace and by your mercy. And I'm not, you're not limited by my limitations. I hope that's been encouraging for you. And uh, thank you so much for hearing my heart this morning. I so appreciate it. Mm-hmm.